You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here, where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So hopefully you can't tell, but my voice is kind of shot. I am sick. (laughs) And so I am in hibernation mode. However, I want to make sure that you guys are getting everything that you need as we were winding down 2020. And I figured that this would actually be a really good episode to bring to you. And it falls right in line with everything that, you know, we've been talking to you about. And I figured that it was perfect. So um, as you can tell, it's just me today. And I thought that it was really important to bring you a client profile and a review of someone that I've worked with multiple times over a long stretch of time. And I am very fortunate to be able to bring you this episode because it really does give you some insight into something that I think is very important. And that's how mindset really is important and creates this foundation and these roots when it comes to any of the other things that you do, very similar to the marketing piece of it that comes in with your visual strategy that India gives you when her and I do our two-to-one services together. It's really difficult to create your marketing and your visibility strategy when you haven't addressed anything that could be prohibiting you from being visible and really addressing the why and getting into the things that matter with it. So, you know, this interview, um, and again, it's kind of a client profile and a review. It is with myself and Tara Newman from the Bold, the Bold Leadership Revolution and the Brave Society. And Uh, It's a really good conversation that gives you some insight into things like, you know, what does it look like when you're trying to hone in on the intention with, you know, what you're building Um, when you're deciding to seek support, you know, maybe you're feeling stuck and you need more or just don't know, you know, exactly what to do or how to do it. Or maybe you're just coming up against the discomfort that can come with expansion or what it looks like to create boundaries in your personal, personal and professional life to support the mission and the vision that you have for yourself. Um, We talk about how leadership is baked into what you do. Um, 
giving you permission to do it your way, matching your intentions with your actions. There's all kinds of things. And we go into what the results, the benefits and the outcomes are, because India and I really like to focus on what are the tangible things? What are you actually going to get? That's going to be the payoff from the efforts that you have put in. So being able to go into, you know, what these mindset shifts can look like, um, the difference in how you approach things, how it feels differently, how your conversations can change, how your efforts shift in a way that really does pay off and show up in who you're speaking to, who's showing up and listening and really amplifying your curiosity and ability to explore everything that is going on around you and being able to create the reality that you're looking to have show up in the world. So I want you to really take a listen, see what you get from the conversation that Tara and I are having. And if you guys have questions, you know, I love to hear from you. So come on back and talk to me. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am here with Tara Newman at the Tara Newman on Instagram. That's where she likes to be found. That is where I like to find her as well. Um, this amazing woman I met years ago, and I was fortunate enough then to be able to see how amazing she was, and I've learned more and more over the years. And I am in a group that she resides over called the Brave Society, and there's a lot of amazing things that come from that, and there's a lot of amazing things that have come from that as well with our work together. But I want to start by having Tara tell you a little bit about who she is. Hey, hey Erica. Lady. Thank Hi. you so much for having me. Um, I love having you. <laughs> I know, I know. The only thing that would make this better if we were doing it in person. I know, that's always better. Yeah, that's always better. Um, so I'm Tara Newman and I am the founder of the Bull Leadership Revolution and the Brave Society. I am a business strategist and a leadership coach for women small business owners. I work with a lot of different size businesses and my favorite thing to do is to take my corporate background and the work that I do in much larger businesses and bring it down um, to women who are looking to grow and scale their businesses at any point, but to really help them kind of have the vision and the strategy and the lessons from these larger companies that I've worked with in. So being that leadership is a big thing for you and has been the entire time that I have known you. Mm -hmm. I want to know within your leadership, where did you see that maybe there were some things that you wanted to dive into and kind of investigate a little further, get curious around? Yeah. So it was really interesting because when, when I started to come up with this idea for the Brave Society, which is um, a professional society for women leaders, whether you're a professional or a small business owner, and it's a place to come together in a few different ways. One is a marketplace and have women find other reputable, incredible women to do business with, as well as a container to provide leadership development and performance coaching to female leaders through our biweekly CEO debriefs and our monthly panel discussions. Not to mention the amazing conversations we have in that group. So when I was thinking about this group and when I was having the vision for what was to come, I knew I wanted to have some founding members to really um, 
energize this group with the right intentions that we wanted to have um, as we came together. And I noticed that as I was thinking through the founding members of this group, it lacked diversity. That the founding members were all starting to look like me. And it made me realize how my own circle that I was in was not particularly diverse and representative of the type of women that I really wanted to be surrounding myself with. It wasn't something that I um, did intentionally, but it wasn't something that I didn't do intentionally either. Like there was no intention put here. And uh, that's, I guess, was my first piece of awareness around, I need to put some intention behind who I am surrounding myself with. And then at the same time, there were these little breadcrumbs that were coming up, things that were happening in um, maybe the online ecosystem or the larger global presence as a whole. And in my own experiences that left me feeling like I need to be having these conversations around diversity and I'm not really very well equipped to do it. I feel awkward. I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I don't have enough information. I feel like I'm going to unintentionally be offensive to somebody. And that really wasn't, wasn't how I wanted to lead in this area. So there are a lot of people in the online space that are talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, um, systemic racism, white supremacism, um, cultural appropriation, and all the other words that you would um, kind of put into that category as well. And none of them had me feeling really, they educated me, I was able to learn from people, but there wasn't any place that I felt like comfortable where I could have a conversation about my own thoughts and opinions and feelings. The conversation is a big part of it because a lot of people will invite you into spaces and they will feed you information. They will tell you things. They will lecture you. Um, they will correct you. Um, and I won't negate the fact that sometimes correction is necessary, but that's a life thing. I think what can happen is, is that when you have people in a room that want to take in information from a place of wanting to be better, and yet it doesn't foster them to feel comfortable being able to speak up, it, it's kind of counterproductive because then you're forcing them to live in their heads or you're forcing them to only have the conversations with someone else that is going to commiserate the fact that they don't feel comfortable too. And it doesn't encourage them to ever step up and be brave enough to say, I don't know what to say or how to say it or who to say it to. And I'm trying to navigate my way through it. And there is only but so much that brother Google can do for me before I end up being led astray because that can only give me information. And that's in the hopes that you are finding good information, but that has no context. And that is a huge limitation of someone that feels as though I can go and find information. I can read books. I can read articles. I can read stories. I can talk with people that look like me. 
but I don't have the space to talk with people that don't look like me and actively represent the things that I am fighting against, which is the separation, which is the divide, which is the racism, which is these systemic beliefs and actions that are keeping us swimming in two separate pools and never having that place to get out and sit on the side together and have that conversation. Yep. You have that look on your face. So you guys I completely agree. Part. I'm like, Eric is just <laughs> preaching and I am taking it in and I am listening to her words. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the thing you, you were listening to information because when it came up that there were things there, you weren't coming from a place of not having some level of education there. But I think that from my point of view, you had hit a point to where you had probably maxed out at being able to kind of navigate it on your own. Yeah. I mean, when I first started, when I, um, first started having conversations with you about this, I, I knew enough that I needed to, to just, close my mouth and open my ears for a while. Um, and I'm st- still navigating that space of, you know, I just, I want to always approach this from a place of curiosity and open-mindedness and beginner's mind and um, generous assumptions. And at the same time, I was also feeling very stuck in the sense that I needed to have these conversations with someone and having these conversations with people that look like me weren't going to be helpful. I even tried. I remember um, this was probably like, like this is like a really defining moment for me where I had my daughter at a Girl Scout event in Manhattan and we were watching the Rockettes and there was really no diversity for the Rockettes. I mean, from any perspective, whether it be, you know, race or ability and there there you know you don't have to be an able person to participate in the this because there was like a whole um like ensemble cast that was kind of acting things out at one point like they weren't dancing like they could have very easily had people of different abilities um they paired off in male female couples and i was like okay this just feels like not current um, I mean, I, I, I don't know, like it just, to me, it just was, I'm thinking about the girls in this audience who were so diverse, Girl Scouts is so diverse. And you knew that there was, there were girls in that audience at between the ages of eight and a teenager that were questioning their sexuality, that were of different race, that were of different ability and did not have a representation on that stage. And mm-hmm. Afterwards, we all went out for lunch and I was having this conversation. I was sharing my, my insight that, uh, that this is what was my takeaway that, yeah, like it was a nice show, you know, ooh, the Rockettes, Radio City Music Hall. But really my biggest takeaway was what was up with that lack of diversity and nobody else picked up on it. Mm-hmm. So as I was, I was talking to myself and there were people in that group who were we were a diverse group of people um but at the same time you know it just wasn't a conversation that anybody else was prepared to have so i needed to be able to have these conversations in more depth well because sometimes it's a matter of 
not noticing the lack of something or the presence of something that isn't helpful and whether or not you can actually have that conversation. Some people sometimes find themselves in a place where they get so accustomed to it being the norm that they almost don't notice it or don't acknowledge it anymore because if energy and time is precious, they decide, well, I don't know what else to do. And so they choose to not, or they just simply don't know how to have that conversation. They don't know what to do, or they're just like, yeah, I've talked about this and then nothing happens. So I just have stopped having the conversation. And for some people that works, for me, it doesn't because having children that are part black, part Italian, part, part French Canadian, they don't have the luxury of living in a world that opts out because they can opt out. They're going to have to navigate what it looks like being too much in some spaces and not enough in, in others. So for me, I'll just have to talk to them blue in the face because I don't choose to not make some sort of a difference. I don't care if it's one person. That's just my choice. And I know that anytime you begin to talk about the anti-racist space in any way, shape, or form, it feels big and it does feel like a lot. But the alternative is not desirable in any way, shape, or form. And I think a big part of choosing to step into any form of this work is to say the alternative is something that I'm not willing to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, part of working with you has really allowed me to establish some personal boundaries here around what I'm available for and what I'm not available for when it comes to these conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and I know there, there's a whole group of people who are like, well, if you don't write your 160 um, character Facebook post or tweet about it, then you're complicit. But I've been finding that some of the deepest work has, is being done at home and having it these is. conversations with my family and with my children and um, sitting in a lot of discomfort around people's differing opinions and um, lack of education or, you know, around that and then drawing boundaries around what conversations I'm available to have and what conversations I'm unavailable to have from a place of neutrality and not from a place of like, shut up, you're wrong. But just, this is, this is not a value of mine and I'm not gonna sit here and have these conversations unless we can have them in a specific way. And I think that that's a big thing because when you choose to when you choose to have that boundary, and I think a lot of people think boundaries are harsh or um, it's, it's about rigidity and it's not. I think it's a method of protection, but it's also something that clearly lays out what you are and are not willing to step into, um, what you are and are not willing to subject yourself or others to. And so... I think what happens is, is with these types of conversations, you are butting up against the way that people have always thought. And for most people, when you start to blow holes in whatever they consider to be their 
beliefs, values, and ethics that are static, that don't change, they don't shift, they don't evolve, they don't expand, people can get defensive. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you are somehow attacking me personally. And I don't feel, and some people, yes, they are, but I don't think that that's always what it's about. Um, Because for some people, it's just easier to say that I'm being attacked, but yet they can't consider what does, what you believe is an attack on your beliefs. How do those beliefs affect other people that don't have the option of saying, I'm not going to be a part of this, or I'm not going to participate in this. And that I think is a big part of it because they, they don't consider that. And when you add in that leadership part, I think a part of leadership is leading and there's nothing easy or comfortable about being the leader and actually having your ethics be a part of that. I don't think that's easy at all. It's not. It's uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I think choosing to do that says something about someone's character. I think it is easier to go with whatever the thing is, even when you don't feel Mm -hmm. okay about it, even when you feel as though it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for someone that can go with ease when it is baked into their life because of things that they had no choice in, whether it's because of the color of their skin, the amount of money that they have access to, access period, safety. When you are choosing to not go with that, I think there's something to be said about the fact that this is not easy and you are choosing the hard road. Yeah, a friend of mine was sharing with me um, that she was at an event and like some things were going on that she didn't agree with, um, not particularly related to, you know, diversity, equity, or inclusion, but just, you know, this typical untrained coaches doing harm kind of thing. And uh, I'm like, man, if I was there... I'm fairly certain I would have stood up and stopped what was happening. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, yeah, we have to lead and we have to stand up and say something. And if you see something that's not right, you really do have to question it and, you know, acknowledge that it's happening and then give the space. You know, this has taught me a lot about compassion and, patience and understanding that we are all walking through this world with our own wounds and trauma and perspectives and um, assumptions and with a lot of things that we don't know. There's a lot of things that we don't know. And that's actually one of my favorite things about when we start some of these conversations in the Brave Society around motherhood or marriage or we had one going on menopause you know and it's just there's so much that we don't know and when people share their stories there's so much that we can learn about their perspectives and perceptions and their truth well and that goes back to something that we talk about a lot um and that's the the diversity of diversity because it's very easy for 
this to become a black or white, a male or female, a, you know, straight versus gay. And it's not that. It's about creating an inclusive environment where whatever it is that makes your reality of how you walk through life be respected and viewed at, by others as just as real as theirs. And I think that the more you uncover it, the more you uncover. I was watching television last night and definitely did not expect something to get dropped in my lap, which was the, this concept around the fact of some of the things that we say, you don't always realize things are problematic until you do. And so the, con, the, the conversation went to the statement of, oh, well, everything happens for a reason and how it's problematic. Because if you said, if someone says, oh, well, I was raped. Oh, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Oh, you know, I'm poor. I'm disadvantaged. You know, I have a parent that's incarcerated. I can't get a job because I have a name where people won't even call me when they sit on an application. Oh, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. So when you begin to look at that statement and see how it comes from a place of being elitist and privileged, it's like, oh, that's not a helpful comment. Because if everybody's life boils down to, oh, well, it happens for a reason. Well, that's kind of fucked up if you put it that way. And it doesn't, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. And you don't think about how many things that we take for granted do that. Yeah, I think it lacks empathy. I think that it bypasses the emotions and the reality of what the person is experiencing. And it boils everybody's life down to this, well, this is what's meant to happen to me and this is what's meant to happen to you. And it can support some extremely problematic things. And that's on the light end, let alone just supporting things that are systemic in the worst kinds of ways that we're giving, oh, well, this is, this is just what happens. It's just how it is. And so when you give yourself the space to take something that we kind of just take for granted and it's like, oh, that one doesn't help. I someone a few months ago mentioned that they're trying to stop saying you guys because yeah. like, Me this, too. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, and like that one kind of hit me like a ton of bricks and you don't think about how the smallest of things that is just a part of normality to you. You're like, this has a whole lot of underpinnings that aren't helpful. And that's where I kind of wonder for you, what does, what does the process feel like? Because everybody has their way of doing things and I have mine. So mm-hmm. what, yeah. what does it feel like for you? In- well, you know, that, that's such a great question because it's so multi-layered for me. I'm very aware still that, um, uh, my brand and my company doesn't reflect, always reflect my intention. Let's just say, I'll say that. Um, and so I, it makes me want to be more intentional with things. So I make sure that you and I have some conversations on the calendar to discuss things because my intention is that I want to have some kind of strategy as I move forward and as my business grows, which I'm not even 100% sure what that looks like, 
but us having these conversations that we have, I know will lead to that. So I want to have some kind of strategy around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and I don't 100% know what that is at the moment, but I know through our conversations that will unfold. The more I have the conversations and the more I have these conversations with you, the more awareness and the more um, present I am to what's happening around me or with regard to these things. You know, like every so often I'll message you and I'll be like, this is really grinding my gears right now. And, you know, I think we need to talk about this, um, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like my eyes are open, my eyes are wide open and I'm, and I'm seeing things, I'm not putting a timeline on it. I'm not making it right or wrong, but I am open to seeing things and navigating them as they come up. Um, I'm trying to energize my work with the intention of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I know that you and I have talked about this a few times where companies will get stock photo of um, images that are diverse, right? And you're a no for that and I'm a no for mm -hmm. that. I understand why they're doing it. They don't, they don't know what they don't know. So they're trying, they're putting the intention forth, but the impact is not coming off the way um, you know, they intended. So instead of me contriving photographs or things like that, I chose to have my photo shoot, my last photo shoot in Greenwich Village, which is mm -hmm. just a historical place for inclusion. It's, you know, really in New York City, it's that real birthplace of, you know, um, LGBT. Q. Did I get those? LGBTQIA plus. Yeah, I, I know there was an I and an A. Right. I'm like, okay. as of the time of recording, I don't think I missed anything. If I did, it's not intentional. Yeah. Um, jotting that down. So I know that that's like a real hub for those things, for, for those rights. Um, Pride Parade. Uh, there's a whole monument in the center of Greenwich Village. And so I really chose that place intentionally to bring forth the energy of inclusion into my work. Um, yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge too, though, that the more of it you do, it's something that I think multiplies. So it's like having, you know, if you have a group that is diverse, then the people that are in the group are going to likely invite people that are similar in, you know, possibly their, their makeup as far as possibly religion or sex or gender or class, uh, mindset, age, these different pieces so that you're getting someone that has been vetted because, well, there are certain things that are aligned, but you're able to have a place of beginning to incorporate that means that you have more likelihood of these things growing versus there's no diversity there whatsoever in any way, shape or form. Well, it doesn't just show up magically. Yeah. I'm also trying to, I live in a sub suburb about an hour train ride out of New York city. I'm trying to spend more time in New York city because it's just a more diverse place to spend time. Um, you know, looking at potentially joining a co-working space in 
in the city. So maybe once or twice a month I get in there and I co-work in a more diverse space. You know, I'm paying attention to the conferences and the events that I attend to make sure that they're really inclusive. So I'm doing, I'm, I feel like I'm doing the best I can and I'm having conversations uncomfortably so in all aspects of my life around the topic. And so I feel like um, I'm still at the very beginning of my journey and, but I'm also really excited and open to it. But calling it a journey is the most important part because people are looking for this endpoint that just isn't a thing. It doesn't exist. It's simply something that you are constantly moving through and it is something that is done imperfectly. Imperfect allyship is such an important thing because people somehow look at it as if I can't do it well, I won't do it. Or if I can't have done these things that I ticked off the boxes for, then how am I supposed to do it and not screw it up? You're going to screw it up. There is nothing in life that we do that we are just going to magically do perfectly. So approaching something from a point of view of I want to do these things and I'm not looking to be perfect. I'm not looking for an endpoint. I'm simply moving through them and letting them be what they are. I think it's an extremely important thing to acknowledge because there's no other way to do it. And putting yourself in a place to have the conversations, even when they're uncomfortable is important because there's two ways that you can do it. And um, this is something that we've talked about in brave around um, conferences and different things that people are maybe choosing to speak at or attend, there is the point of view of approaching it from needing it to be inclusive to show up or showing up and saying, I am going to disrupt the way that things are being done because I don't like that it's so homogenous and I am going to bring what needs to actually be talked about because apparently we're not having the conversations that we need to have and it's apparent in the lack of diversity in this space, in the concepts, in the mindsets as a whole. So I think that part of it is saying that you want to be inclusive in these places, but the other is saying, I need this space to be inclusive and somebody has to say something. It's mm-hmm. a great point. Opting out very, doesn't help. No, and it's, it's easy to do, but it's not, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Um, So being that these are some of the things that you have had come up for you, that you've experienced, that you've decided that you are working through imperfectly and allowing the picture of it to kind of show up on its own, what is it that you actually get tangibly? Because I think it's very easy, easy with what I do for people to just say, oh, I feel better. It's like, okay, well, what does that mean? That's not a thing. So what does, um, what is the benefits and outcomes that you have from doing this work with me? Well, I think, you know, I think that one of the biggest benefits, you know, a result was how we approached the photo shoot. Like that's a tangible thing that I thought about differently and executed on differently because of our work together. I had never put that much intention and thought into a photo shoot before. And I 
never really thought about how, okay, so if I'm white and I'm cisgender and I'm upper middle class and I'm all these things, you know, how can I have a different presence or energy come through in, in these photos? And I get that, like, you can't always tell that we're in Greenwich Village when I took the photos, but my intention is there. And I hope that that comes through is kind of what I'm saying. Um, we continue to have more conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically in the Brave Society. We are investing in the women in there and their education around the topic by having you come in as a paid expert. Paid expert. <laughs> Emphasis on. Um, I think also being able to navigate conversations and not, and not opt out of them. Like what we were just talking about, right? Like I'm actually not opting out of these conversations. I'm engaging in them and I'm also drawing some boundaries and I'm doing my part to provide education as well for people when they don't understand certain things. I mean, my favorite video to share with people is Brene Brown's video on white privilege. Um, it's a Facebook live that she did a couple of years ago. And it was the, actually, it was the Facebook live that helped me understand white privilege. And so whenever people get a little um, fragile <laughs> mm -hmm. about their privilege, I like to share that. <laughs> because I think that a lot of people misunderstand what we're talking about when we say white privilege. I don't think they, I don't think they really get it. Um, and I understand that because I didn't get it either. And obviously Brene understands it because she had to explain it to people in a way that they got it. And so, you know, I like to, to provide some education for people where I feel comfortable. I feel more confident in having these conversations and I feel more responsible for specifically around my words that I, I use and choose. And then, um, listen, if I make a mistake, I apologize. Nobody is exempt from that. Nobody, we all, we all step in shit sometimes, it's real. But before working with you, I wouldn't even have said the thing because I would have been afraid of making a mistake. And so there would have never even been an apology to make. I would have been hiding on the topic. So I think those are, those tangible. Those are tangible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, I think, I think that there's going to be a, I think there's going to be a long-term strategy on yes. how, you know, my company addresses this that I haven't quite seen yet. And I'm, and I'm, I think people like, well, I don't get it. I can't visualize it. I can't see it. So therefore I'm just going to chuck it in the, you know, fuck it, bucket, fuck it, bucket. Right. And, and they're going to ignore it and they're going to bypass it and they're going to sweep it under the rug. And I'm like, okay, I have this thing here. I'm not a hundred percent sure how this is going to come and play out in my business, but I know it's going to have a role and I'm exploring it and I'm curious about it. Um, I'm a huge fan of the whole 30 and 
Melissa Urban because the way they're navigating diversity, equity, and inclusion in their business is really fascinating. And so I like to look at her as a CEO who I think is um, doing the work. And, um, you know, so I'm trying to find some examples of how this is being done and how it's being done well. Because if, you know, when I left corporate, five years, four years ago, and the CEO is like, you know, what do I need to know? And I'm like, you need to understand that the workforce is minority, millennial, and female. And you do not have an organization that is welcoming and, welcoming and open to any of those three things, those three beings. And you're going to have a real come to Jesus moment when you have to be recruiting talent and you have no way of attracting them. So I very much still believe this, it still holds true that, you know, leadership out there is becoming more minority, more female, more millennial, and we have to really understand how to navigate diversity as leaders. There's so much research and study out there around statistics around the importance of diversity in organizations that, that to the bottom line, to creativity and innovation. And um, you can't have these conversations though then without vulnerability and empathy, right? Mm -hmm. and, and communication skills. And it, it's the forefront of leadership today. It is the new paradigm that's coming. So um, it's so important that we need to be thinking about this, even if we don't have the answers, we don't know what it's gonna look like. And we don't know what it's going to look like because there's a lot of moving parts. And so it's a little bit tough to say this is, this is exactly what this is going to look like when you don't know the if, this, then, that. Because there's a lot of dominoes that have to fall in order for things to be able to move. But it has to start somewhere. And there is a shift in leadership. And I think that it needs to happen because part of what I think can come up sometimes when it comes to supporting um, some will say, well, you know, how are you supporting disadvantaged or marginalized communities? And I think there is that space of essentials when it comes to food, shelter, education, safety. But I think there's also that place of where's the middle ground. I think what comes up a lot of times is you'll have people pull on the exceptions. See, you have an Oprah. And it's like, that's one person, like stop picking one person. And that's the example that, oh, everything's fine. But then there's this middle space where there are children or young adults growing up that don't see themselves represented in leadership spaces in business, in uh, political spaces when it comes to leadership. They just don't see themselves being able to do certain things. And when you can't see yourself, that does not help for you to be able to actually do the thing. So mm -hmm. there is this space where there are people that do need to support and facilitate more people that are not represented well, being able to step into these types of places. Because if you want the voices to, to shift and the messaging to shift, then you need to change who it is that is contributing to that messaging. So like when we talk about the whole seat at the table, if everybody at that table looks, thinks, acts, and lives the same, well, 
then that's not going to fix it, which is how you get these companies where you don't know how to bring in a diverse team. You don't know how to represent and foster a culture that women can actually thrive in. So there is this place of you need to have your basic needs met. But then what does it look like when those are met? And now it becomes a matter of access and connections and some of these other things that are going to shift what the landscape looks like with who is making the decisions, who is in power, who is the head of these things. Because there's not enough of that happening because it's like, oh, you need the basic things. Yeah, but speaking for me personally, I don't need the basic things. That's not where I happen to be. And that's my own piece of privilege there because I don't have to consider those things as much, but there are still things that I don't have. And the answer to this whole equation is imperfect allyship. It's a big part. It's, a, it's about everybody being willing to step into it. Yes. Because everybody has biases and preconceived notions about things. There are very few people that have none. I don't even really think that that exists. Nope. This is about if every person was willing to be an ally, how would, how would the world change? Mm-hmm. Stepping into the allyship means that you have to first acknowledge that there's someone that doesn't have the same benefits that you take for granted. And being able to figure out what does it look like to shift that. Mm-hmm. That's a huge piece of it. So do you have any last minute things that you want to send people off that you think that they could consider or a takeaway that really stands out for you? Yeah, I think that the take the takeaway that I want people to have from this is to um, start before you're ready and start before you have even clarity or direction because that's how I, like, I'm just starting before I'm ready. Like, I, I'm starting before I have an answer. I'm, I'm just being curious and open. And I think that everybody who listens to this episode should just book a call with you and have the conversation. I agree for more reason than one, <laughs> but <laughs> I agree. I don't think there is any ready. I think yeah. it really is just starting. Not before you're ready. Agreed. As always, you know, Tara, I love talking to you and I'm glad that you were able to let people into what it looks and feels like for you. And I appreciate that level of vulnerability from you. So thank you. I appreciate you, Erica. Thank you. Appreciate you. We show up here having real conversations to normalize the challenging things and make them a part of your normal exchanges, cross lines and recreate boundaries to support, not separate. This is how we remove stigma and create real change and connection. If you enjoyed this podcast, show us some love by subscribing, sharing with a friend, or leaving us a review. Reviews are the fuel to keep the podcast engine going. Let's get more people dropping the veil and challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. We love being here and creating the bridge for you to walk over to become the change that you want to see. So join us next time. And until then, keep the dialogue going. Bye. ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. 
From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?